the last independent nawab of bengal sirajuddolla lost the battle of palasi to british captain robert clive and fled the battlefield you may wonder that number of historians would not even qualify the battle of palasi more than a skirmish yet that was the turning point in history not only of bengal or india but human civilization it was rather the final episode of the drama that unfolded on the rainy afternoon of 23rd june 1757 which led the british east india company to establish the first ever modern colonial province yes that's right bengal is the first modern colonial province in history of civilization welcome to the revolution untold story of indian freedom struggle i am shushmita mazumdar and i am kaushik mazumdar your host more often we fail to recognize this event as the dawn of 200 years of english domination but it goes rather unrecognized that this is the same event that would eventually define the existence of a nation named india built upon the sacrifices of indians but it was merely not just this one event rather long history of treachery and greed of the short-sighted fellow rival indian subedars zamindars etc laid the road for once a meager group of merchant to become the ruler of the nation which in time has turned out to be the largest democracy let's take a walk down the history lanes and try to understand how the british stood out the rivalry with other european counterparts the mughals and the other internal fragments and extend their expedition for industrial profit to the quest to rule we find it rather obvious for the british east india company to vouch for the command of the nation to ensure the prosperity of their business endeavor but why bengal why it all started there to answer let's take a cue from franquis burner a traveler who visited india during aurangzeb reign as he has written the rich exuberance of the country has given rise to a proverb in general use in the middle of the portuguese english and dutch that the kingdom of bengal has a hundred gates open for entrance but not one for departure now we have already reached the reign of aurangzeb let's try a little further in history In those days Bengal would comprise of present Bangladesh and states of West Bengal, Orissa and Bihar. It was during the reign of the great Mughal emperor Akbar. European voyagers sailing in search of fortune had reached the shores of India and South Eastern Asia. It was the Portuguese who reached and advanced with their business propositions to the Mughals. In the year 1600 On the 24th August British voyage named Hector anchored on the port of Surat. This was the first arrival of the British in in India. By the time British East India Company had set their foot on the land of this subcontinent, Portuguese traders were well set and also had quite an influence on the Delhi emperor. No wonder it took 8 long years for East India Company to reach the court of Mughal emperor Jahangir. The British company patiently waited but did not waste time. They took their time and put it to the good use of understanding the strategy of the Portuguese traders. In the year 1608, Captain William Hawkins led a small group of East India Company representatives to the Jahangir's court. In the year 1608, 
Captain William Hawkins led a small group of East India Company representatives to the Jahangir's court and on the very first meet managed to get the rights to expand their business unimpeded in and around Surat. Almost immediately they started the expansion while by the royal court ship they received the Mumbai port from Portuguese in 1665 by fair, unfair and every other means in dictionary East India Company tried and successfully overhauled the influence of the Portuguese on the Delhi Emperor. Within just four years, by 1612, their expansion extended beyond Surat. With the prime target of controlling the trade route and business of the raw material from Southeastern Asia, East India Company straight away shifted their focus on the eastern coast of India. Trading centers were built in Balasore, Orissa in 1633, Madras in 1639, Hooghly in 1651, Kashim Bajar in 1658, Dhaka 1668 and Malda 1676. This was the very time Europe was going through an industrial revolution. They used these trading centers to export raw materials like cotton, silk, sugar, indigo, saltpeter from India and import their products from their mills. This process would cause them a handsome tax to be paid to the Delhi Emperor, which would rather restrict their profit margin. It hardly took any time for the directors and country managers of East India Company to figure out that they had to find relevance in the Indian political scenario to be able to influence the tax structure in their favor. Bengal got the attention of the British for its strategically supreme location as well as the prime quality of silk and saltpeter. Besides, the fertile lands led Bengal to reach the market for mill products. British East India Company was prompt in identifying the dual potential of Bengal. As the ruler, they would save huge on duty. Rather by the means of collecting tax, they would be able to earn much more than the investment they had to make for raw materials. Soon enough, they started to build fortresses around their trade centers. The fortresses which would eventually contribute as power centers during their reign. It was the militarization of Fort William built in Calcutta in 1698 that eventually led the ground of battle between Sirajudola and the British East India Company. Although during the reign of Aurangzeb, Already the signs of decay were unmistakable, still the Mughal would remain relevant to Indian history for few more years. No wonder with the Mughals on the decline, British East India Company expanded their influence and trade across India. Still, they hardly made any progress towards the governance. After the death of Aurangzeb in 1707, the decentralization of power reached the next level. While the Marathas were already in the content of establishing and extending their rule, following 1707, their venture found an extended intention of acquiring the supremacy of India. Besides Marathas, the regional rulers of Punjab, Bengal, Ayad, Hyderabad, etc. started to express their intention of declaring themselves as a sovereign state by own means. It's not only the British, but the French also saw an opportunity to expedite their business and influence. In the conquest of control of the resources and market, 
For the European Industrial Revolution, the British and French both started to get involved with the regional politics. Besides that, in an extension of the war, outbroke in the far continent, the European rivals got into the war on Indian land. This war was far more being over as the rivals rather got further involved by picking regional sides fighting against each other to establish their own dominance. The war led by the claim to the throne of Hyderabad and Carnatic got the English mariners a permanent avenue to Indian history of politics and existence. So we guess with the expansion of European manufacture and trade, it was rather obvious for British East India Company to pursue political ambitions. Now let's shift our focus onto the history of Bengal. How the changing equation of polity led to the fateful day of 23rd June 1757. During Aurangzeb's reign in Delhi, it was in the year 1700 when Mirza Hadi got appointed as Diwan of Bengal. Mirza Hadi, whom the history would remember as the first independent Nawab of Bengal, Mushit Khuli Khan. Who would know the year 1717 would turn out to be one of the most important years in Bengal history. It was the very year when Mushit Khuli Khan declared himself as the Nawab of Bengal. In the same year, Farukshire granted English East India Company tax-free monopoly trade in the Subay of Bengal, Bihar and Odisha. But this Farman would reserve the rights strictly for the company, not individual endeavors of company personnel. This came following a long persuasion of the company, but the lack of provision restricted Delhi Emperor from envisaging the impact of the Farman in a larger aspect. Not only duty-free trading, but the English were allowed to use their own currency for exchange and trading. Though Mushid Kuli Khan declared himself as an independent Nawab of Bengal, he remained faithful to the Delhi Emperor and paid the highest tax to the Emperor. Though the sovereignty of the Mughal Emperor was not challenged, the Bengal establishment was practically self-governing. The same tradition continued during the reign of subsequent rulers, his son-in-law Sujadudola and then grandson Sarfaraz Khan. In 1740, Emperor Sarfaraz Khan was beaten and killed in the Battle of Giria. Alwardi Khan became the new Nawab. Mirzafar made major contributions in the effort of winning the Battle of Giria for Alwardi Khan. Later in the Battle of Midnapur against Marathas, Mirzafar led the Bengal army to a dominating win. In reward, Alwardi declared Mirzafar as Subedar of Orissa and also got him married to his stepsister Shah Khanu. Though did not deny the authority of Mughal Emperor, fiercely self-governing Alwardi Khan was strongly against the idea of yielding to Delhi Emperor entirely. During the reign of Murshid Kuli Khan lineage, while the tax paid to Delhi Emperor escalated up to 10 crores annually, it was just half for the whole 15 years of Alivardi reign. Not only Alivardi Khan reduced the payment of tax, but he also took the complete authority of appointing subedars, commanders and for other administrative posts in his own hand. In the reorganization of the administration, he took a religiously liberal attitude and unlike predecessors, he appointed many Hindus at different administrative roles. 
Alwardi appointed Pathans from Bihar and other parts of North India for his army and their inclusion made his army formidable one. So formidable that he could defend Bengal against consecutive attacks by Marathas and Afghans. In the year 1747, in the Battle of Barduan, the Marathas led by Janoji Bhosle and Bhaskar Pandit began their raid, plundered the territories of the Nabab of Bengal in Odisha. During this invasion of Orissa, Subedar Mirzafar completely withdrew all forces and without any resistance awaited the arrival of Alivordi Khan and the Mughal army. In spite of such treachery, the veteran war strategist Alivordi Khan led his army with wife Nafisa Khanam from the front to win against the Maratha army. Finally, in 1751, Alivordi Khan signed an accord with the Marathas to establish peace in Bengal. But angry with the treachery, Alivardi Khan banished Mirzafar from Orissa's Subedari. Though the consecutive attacks from Marathas and Afghans were firmly dealt, these successive battles left the economy of Alwardi's Bengal in distress. Immediately, he shifted his focus in improving the financial status of the state as well as on refurbishing his administration. Veteran strategist and experienced politician Alwardi Khan could easily identify the growing influence of both East India Company and French merchants. He accurately predicted that political ambition would eventually lead to conflict of interest with the kings and Nawab. Accordingly, he restricted East India Company only to trading and refused them the right to build forts in excuse of protection for the trade centers. Such concerns were also shared by his successor grandson Shirajudola. Want to learn more about the untold story of Indian freedom struggle? Keep listening. We got a page from episode notes and resources. Visit us at http colon forward slash forward slash www.ksproductionsusa.com Subscribe to the Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle at Apple, Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get your audio. Be sure to leave us a review, give us 5 stars and please talk about us to your friends and family. We want to hear directly from you too, so send us an email. Our email address is therevolution at ksproductionsusa.com. The Revolution Untold Story of Indian Freedom Struggle is produced by KS Productions INC in collaboration with Pastel Entertainment. Our executive producers are Kaushik Mazumdar and Shushmita Mazumdar from KS Productions INC and Shauli Mazumdar from Pastel Entertainment. Our researcher is Dipanjan Maithi, content developed by Dipanjan Maithi and Kaushik Mazumdar. Original music composed and designed by Shottajit Shin. Also use compositions by Kazi Nazrul Islam.